He is Lord. In 2020, Jesus Christ is still Lord. I'm glad we serve a God that is everlasting. I'm glad we serve a Savior. He saved us once and for all, and once was enough for me. The cross of Calvary, he paid the price there for you and I. And uh, we need to not be discouraged or troubled by the times of the world, the signs and the things that we see, the craziness and the chaos and, and all of that. Because Jesus Christ is Lord. We've been uh, going through the book of, uh, of John, I believe it is. And uh, you know, Jesus, he transited the Sea of Galilee. That is, he crossed the Sea of Galilee by boat, and there was a large crowd that followed him uh, out of Capernaum over to the other side, and, and we we believe that to be the Golan Heights is where he is where he was, and and uh, over there he miraculously fed five thousand men, and uh, possibly as many as twenty thousand people, counting the women and children. He fed them from five small loaves of barley. And two little fish. What a miracle. What a miracle. And oftentimes we can take these uh, wonderful signs and these miracles that our Lord allowed uh, to be recorded. We can take them lightly. We can take them as, um, as not being um, really what they were. But the truth of the matter is, is these miracles really, really occurred. So he fed the 5,000 and as, perhaps as many as 20,000 with five little Twinkie-sized loaves of barley and two little fish. And the people, they were amazed at the time. They acknowledged him to be the prophet who had come into the world. And they tried to make him king. They wanted to take him by force. So he withdraws from the crowd, and the disciples, they take a boat. He sends his disciples back across the Sea of Galilee, back over to Capernaum, and they're caught up in a terrible, terrible storm. But the Lord had a purpose for this as well. You know, the Lord may send you right into a storm. Nowhere does the Scriptures teach that the Lord is going to make everything easy. He's only going to show us bright and sunshiny days. I can see clearly now the, the rain is gone. I can see all the obstacles in our way. You know the song? You know the song. But he never promised every day to be just a perfect day. So likewise, he sends us into storms. He sent the disciples into storms, but he didn't send them into a storm that he could not that he could not bring under control. Well, you may be going through a terrible storm in your life right now. You're watching by way of Facebook. You may not know me and I may not know you, but I can tell you this. If you know Jesus Christ, you have a friend that will stick closer than a brother. If you're going through the storm of life, don't take your eyes off Jesus Christ. He will calm the troubled waters in your life and he's going to lead you through. So Christ comes to his disciples, and he's walking in the dark of the night into uh, uh, across this sea uh, during a terrible storm. 
And he's walking on the surface of the waters. Yet another miracle. So Jesus enters the boat of of these scared, frightened disciples. And the sea is immediately calmed. This is another miracle. He calmed the sea. And the boat, the scripture says, is immediately, safely on the shore of Capernaum. Another miracle. Instantaneously, when Jesus stepped into the boat, the sea was calm. The boat was was translated or, or transitioned to the edge of the shore. That tells me anytime Jesus gets into the boat, we're safe. Things are good. Things are going to work out. Whatever trouble you're going through in life, things are going to work out. The crowd that he had fed on the opposite side of the sea, they got into their boats and they followed Jesus back across the Sea of Galilee into Capernaum. And he strongly disapproves of their unspiritual motives. He knows what they came for. They wasn't following him because of the signs, or they wasn't following him because they believed. They were following him because they loved the provision. They loved to be provided for. They loved the bread, the free bread that was given out. So he disapproves of their, of their unspiritual motives, and they follow him for physical food, but they don't follow him because they genuinely believe. So in response, Jesus commands them in verse 27 to pursue the spiritual non-perishing food of eternal life. So the people said to him, what shall we do? What shall we do that we may work the works of God? They filtered Jesus' words through their own warped minds, and they thought he was saying they needed to do some work to earn eternal life. Thank God we don't have to earn our way into heaven. Thank God they're, they're, we don't have to go out and scrounge up all of the goodies that we can to give to God to earn our way into the glory world. But it's a gift, a wonderful, marvelous gift. So what was that work that they should do, they wondered. So, but salvation, we know today, does not come from human effort. We know that salvation comes today only by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't come by human achievement. It doesn't come by moral works, but it comes from faith. It comes from faith that inevitably produces good works. Listen, if we have true faith, don't worry about the works. They're going to come. We don't have to prove our love for the love for the Lord Jesus Christ. If we truly love him, we're not going to have to work at it. It's going to show up. It's going to be the fruit of the Spirit. So I wonder about these who say, oh, I know Jesus Christ. Oh, he's the Lord of my life. Yet they have no fruit. They don't bear fruit of people who truly believe in Jesus Christ. In fact, a faith that does not produce fruit, Pastor Steve, is dead. It's dead. And we know that there's nothing 
There is no life in dead. If it's dead, it's not living. So without a living faith, without a faith that produces uh, fruit, it's dead. It's not really, really biblical faith at all. So since it was the physical bread that they were seeking, Jesus teaches them about a spiritual bread, a bread that satisfies. You can eat all the bread this old world can harvest and give to you. We can make all the money and fill our pockets in the front and in the back, and we won't be satisfied if we try it without Jesus Christ. You think, Christians, if we think we have it a little rough sometimes, you look at the world. You look at those that, that have no hope. They have no hope beyond this world. They have, they're miserable, and they're searching for peace. They're searching for satisfaction. They're searching. Maybe a vacation to fix it. Maybe a big home to fix it. Maybe a nice car to fix it. Maybe a beautiful wife to fix it. Maybe some really good kids to fix it. Maybe I'll have to adopt some. But maybe I'll have to uh, uh, do this or that to get happy. So Jesus points to himself as the bread of life. And Jesus offered himself to his listeners as their eternal deliverer. The crowd, however, was ultimately not interested. We can preach till we're blue in the face. And there are just those in the world that will never be interested. And we have to accept that. We have to accept that. Adrian Rogers said, it's not my place to fill the pew of the church. He said, it's my place to fill the pulpit. And I thought, that's all you have any control over. That's all we have any control over, Pastor Steve. Deacons and those of you that are working so hard in this church, you do what you do for the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't count the cost. You don't count uh, the results. You just do it because it's what you're supposed to do. And I believe the Lord is satisfied with that. So let's listen to their conversation here in John 6.30. We'll pick up here. We want to go to the Scriptures. Verse 30 says, So they said to him, What then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread of heaven. Verse 33, For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me... And he who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, not to do, will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, 
but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life. And I myself will raise Him up on the last day. Father, we thank You for Your precious Word that just lights us up, Lord, in our spirit. It awakens our senses. It opens our eyes. It cleanses us. Lord, it cleanses our mind. Lord, it gives us ears to hear. It gives us excitement and joy and peace in knowing, Lord, that you have everything provided for us already. There is not anything that we have to go out and earn. There's not anything that we have to go out and and conquer. Lord, you've already conquered it on Calvary's cross. Lord, we pray tonight that these words that we try to to, to, to exposit on or that we try to, to, uh, to explain, Lord, we pray that, Lord, it'll, it'll be explained in a way that is, that is pleasing to you. Lord, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive it, Lord. Lord, we pray for those that are hungry, Lord, that they'll be satisfied. For those who thirst, Lord, that they'll not be thirsty anymore. But, Lord, they'll come and listen and heed your word tonight, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for your blessed word. It's such, it's such joy. It brings such joy to our hearts, Lord. And, and uh, we know it's the foundation. It's the roadmap on which we must stand and on which we must trust and believe. Lord, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look, let's look back at verse 30 again. They said to Jesus, What then do you do for a sign that we may see and believe you? You realize what a slap in the face this is? You realize how ridiculous a question this is to the Lord of, of all? What then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? After all of the signs that Jesus has already done, he's already fed them, he's already filled their belly, he's already performed so many healings, He's walked on the sea. He's healed the cripple. And they say, what do you do for a sign that we may see and believe you? You see, they're they're following him for what they can get. They weren't following him to say, here is me, Lord. Take me. Use me. Make me what is pleasing to you. I want to be clay in your hands. You're the potter, and I'm the clay. But that wasn't the attitude that they came to him with. And the question here, it sounds a whole lot to me like like they're saying, what will you give us to believe in you? What's in it for us to follow you, Jesus of Nazareth? What then do you do for, for a sign so that we may see and believe you? This is a ridiculous request to say the least, of the Lord Jesus Christ. As he'd already shown more than ample proof that he was indeed the Son of the living God. He himself was God. He himself was deity in the flesh. Jesus had just exposed their true motives. They wished to see more of Jesus to get hold of him for the carrying out of their purpose. They wanted to make him king. Uh, John 6, 26 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me. 
Not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Like many today, they weren't satisfied with the usual course of nature of sowing and reaping, but of receiving, yet giving nothing of themselves. They wanted to receive from God and not surrender themselves to Him. This is so popular in the world today. Have one foot in heaven and one foot on earth. Get the best of both worlds. That's what many are looking for today. When he's saying, turn from the world and come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's what he's saying. Not one foot in the world, enjoying the sin and the pleasure that's only for a little time and claiming to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus knew while they were following him. Jesus knows why I'm following him and you're following him. He knows our motives. He knows why we come to church. He knows how we live. There there are no secrets with God. Now, this is elementary stuff to most of you, but we may have some here. We may have some watching by way of Facebook that may not realize this. There are many false teachers in the world, many, 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 under the guise of ministers of the gospel. These people, they were in a sense saying to Jesus, prove to us that you're worthy of being trusted. Prove to us that you're worthy of us following you. So they continue by stating here in verse 31, he says, they say, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. You hear the sarcasm in this? Jesus knew what was in their heart. Just what the crowd was implying by their quotation from the Scripture, have have gave them bread out of heaven. Have gave them bread out of heaven to eat. It is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Now, this is implying that Jesus only had, had given them one meal. They were saying, look, you you only fed us one time. Moses fed the nation of Israel the whole time they were in the wilderness. So why should we follow you? You fed us one lousy time. Their thinking was, you're not even doing as well as Moses did. Jesus fed them ordinary bread. He fed fed thousands for one day. But Moses fed them manna from heaven. He fed them for many years in the wilderness from this manna. If you look over in the book of Psalms, chapter 38, around verse 23, it'll tell you that it, it refers to this bread as the bread of angels. That's what God gave Moses to give to the children of Israel. Bread of angels. 
So here you give us one serving of barley. Barley bread is the lowest quality of bread, by the way. So you only fed us one day, and the bread was lousy. What do you think about that? How unappreciative man can be. God can't do enough. God can't be merciful enough. God can't be good enough. He's done so much already. If God never does another thing for me, he's been better to me than I deserve. But I want you to know that Moses took no credit for the heavenly manna. Moses stated here in Exodus 16, 15, he said, It is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. They weren't going to be able to play Jesus against Moses because Moses himself stated that this bread came from the Lord that he's given you to eat. The Lord gave to those who came out of the bondage of Egypt exactly what they needed to survive out there in the wilderness. So Jesus rebukes the people's misunderstanding of the manna in the wilderness and makes it clear that the provider for the nation of Israel's forefather was not Moses. Verse 32, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. Moses was only the messenger. Moses relayed God's instruction about gathering the manna to the Israelites. And in the second half of this verse, the manna was not the true bread from heaven, as we see here. Jesus says here, but if my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. You see, the true bread is Christ Jesus. He is the true bread. He is the bread of life. He is the sustenance for life. He is the one that will give eternal life, the life that, that only comes through him. He can satisfy with what he gives. So while the manna from heaven was merely a foreshadowing of the coming Messiah, it is Christ who is the true bread out of heaven, who eternally, eternally, forever lasting, he satisfies. So John 6, 33 says, For the bread of God which is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Look at this closely. Now, <clears throat> the manna in the wilderness sustained physical, temporal life. We know we have to have bread. We know we have to have something to eat. God knows that we have need of those things. But the bread of God which comes down out of heaven gives spiritual and eternal life that comes only through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ does something for us that no one else could have possibly done. He made a way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. He's the only way. Take it or leave it. He's the only way. Not through Buddha. Not through Muhammad. 
Not through Allah, not through any other false deity, but the only way to the God, the creator of all, is through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it, period, end of story. If you want to come to God the Father, you must go through the Lord Jesus Christ. We are going the right way, church. We're going the right way. The whole world can go a complete different way. But as long as we stick with the Word of God, you're on the right path. We know according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 2 and 14, he said, A natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised, spiritually appraised. Now, perhaps they were genuinely confused. The spiritually blinded crowd, look at verse 34, said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. They were as spiritually blind as the Samaritan woman was there at Jacob's well. They were spiritually blind. Remember? She said to Jesus, Sir, give me this water so that give me this water so that I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. As yet the Jews, the Jews had not made the transition in their minds from the manna to the metaphor. They said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. Their following Jesus was superficial. Churches today are filling up with shallow. Temporary followers of the Lord Jesus Christ are looking for their needs. They're looking for their desires to be met. Come to this church and you'll get a Jesus that's going to give you everything that you ever dreamed of. He's going to make life exactly what you want it to be. He's going to give you what you deserve. We deserve hell and nothing more. That's what we deserve. You say, oh, that's rude. That's crude. I'm simply trying to state the urgency that Jesus Christ saved us from this place of torment. Brother Steve was all over it this morning talking talking about the fact that the holiness of God, it's insulted by sin. When there's sin in our life, it separates us. It separates us. It tears down um, our relationship. It builds barriers. We can't pray. We can't worship. We can't even talk about God because we're so low. It's clear here in verse 36 that the crowd didn't truly believe in Jesus. We see in this world today that many don't believe. They're not going to believe. Many are professing to be atheists. Many are are professing to to not believe in anything at all. Many don't know what to believe. They've listened to so much. They don't know what to believe. That's why we need to be careful, little ears, what we hear. Be careful, little eyes, what we see. Be careful what we entertain. Be careful what we watch on TV. What we fill our minds with. We lay our Bible aside and watch a movie. It's serious. 
It's serious. Oh, me. Shame on me. It's serious. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He he who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Jesus makes it unmistakably clear that the bread of heaven was not physical bread. Rather, it was Jesus Christ himself. The only satisfaction for a hungered and thirsting soul is come in the form of a man, and his name is Jesus. He is the Christ. And we must come to Him, and we must believe in Him. We must surrender our hearts and our lives to Him. He must be everything and everything else down here. He must be not number one, but eternally number one. Everything, far and above everything else. He is Lord, and there's nothing that comes close. Nothing compares. You know, our part in salvation is to come to Jesus and to believe. In Jesus, to believe his word, to forsake the old life of sin and submit to his lordship. Charles, Charles Spurgeon put it this way. He said, you and your sins must separate or you and your God will never come together. Does that make sense? Charles Spurgeon, a well-thought-of Bible scholar, well-thought-of preacher, evangelist, you and your sins must separate or you and your God will never come together. I don't believe for one moment we can, we can continue living in the sin that we used to live in and claim to be changed, claim to be transformed, claim to be new in Jesus Christ. Pastor Steve said this morning, I hate to keep quoting you, Steve, but hope you don't mind. I'm not trying to throw you under the bus. But he said this morning, that our progress is baby steps, and we're taking steps to become more and more and more like Jesus. Every day, every day. If we're going backwards, we better turn around. If we're going the other way, becoming less and less and less like Jesus when it was the day that we first came down and we were excited, we came to the altar and we called upon him and we felt like a ton of bricks had been lifted off of us. If we feel like we've put those tons of brick back on and even more and the guilt is coming on and the relationship has been, has been split apart, we need to turn around. The Bible calls that repentance. We need to repent. We need to turn and come back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Come back to the old landmark. Come back to the place that we know we need to be. John 3.36 says, But I said to you that you have seen me, this is Jesus talking, and you do not believe. So here before their very eyes, Jesus was revealing himself to them, and they didn't even believe it. They, they rejected him. They, they, and Jesus uh, rendered their, their rejection of him inexcusable. The, you know, the Bible has been preached in the United States of America. It's been mocked. It's been ridiculed. They would love to stamp it out. The Ten Commandments have been thrown off of the walls of, of our state capitals. They shut the prayers down in school. Whatever they can do to stamp it out and do away with it. Completely, completely. Now, we have some good people in government as well that would change things the way way that it would be pleasing to God. 
But unfortunately, we're in a, we have a system where the majority rules. And so the majority, apparently, they want to uphold things that are completely wicked and against the Word of God. Same-sex marriage is wicked. It's sodomy. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the end times. Friends, we are there. We're there. We are all over it. So the church needs to continue on, keep our eyes upon Jesus Christ, remain focused upon our purpose in this world. The world is dark, but we're a city. We're like a city on a hill. We need to shine and let the world know that we're still serving a risen Savior. We ain't going nowhere until he calls us home. And when he does, hey, call me gone. We're out of here. Right, Kim? Amen. As it was with their forefathers in the wilderness, the word they heard did not profit them. You know why? Because it was not united with faith in those who heard. They didn't have faith. They didn't come to faith. Now, what you and I should find most assuring is by what Jesus now reveals in the sovereignty of God. How many of you love the sovereignty of God? I hope you do. If you understand what the sovereignty of God, you can do nothing but say, praise you, Lord, for your sovereignty. Thank you, Lord, for your providence. Thank you, Lord, for making it possible that I could go to heaven. You're the only way, and you made that way for me. Now listen, John 6, 36 says, all that the Father gives me, this is good, church. Jesus says, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. Now we could have a church service right there with that one verse all night long and on into next week, if we just really, really uh, drill down into this, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will not, certainly not, certainly not cast out. Now, Jesus wasn't discouraging. He wasn't discouraged. Jesus wasn't surprised at their lack of understanding. He wasn't surprised at their response. He had total confidence in the outcome of his mission because it was firmly, firmly, firmly anchored into the omnipotent sovereignty of God. Your future, his church, his saints, his saints are anchored into the omnipotent sovereignty of God. I'm glad I'm secured. I'm glad you're secured. Not just me, but I'm glad you're secured. I'm glad to be in the presence of saints tonight. I'm glad to be in the presence of those that are going up when he calls. We're going to be there together. Do you know that? We're going to be there together. Never to be separated. Death won't tear us apart. Old age won't cause us to, 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 to hurt, won't cause us to tremble. We won't be feeble, uh, feeble or, and falling around. 
It's going to be glorious. He knew that all of those whom the Father gives him will come to him. I don't know why I came to him, except I couldn't help it. I knew that I needed a Savior. I knew I wanted to go to this place of paradise. You know, Jesus assured. Jesus assured the man that was hanging on the cross next to him. He said, today, you will be with me in paradise. I've often envisioned that paradise. I've had my own personal dreams that I know don't even come close. I've seen some beautiful places. I've been to Hawaii three times. I've traveled around quite a bit. I've stayed in in some pretty nice hotels, enjoyed some, some beaches. But it's nothing compared to God's paradise. And I wouldn't miss it for all of the world wrapped up in sin. I wouldn't miss it for for nothing. For nothing in this world. I'm glad to be firmly anchored in the omnipotent sovereignty of God tonight. And I'm glad that you are too. Folks, even though we can't fully comprehend it, you and I ought to take comfort in knowing that those that are elect and those who are chosen of Him before the foundation of the world in eternity past, will come to the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't fully explain it, but I can only tell you that the Bible teaches of the elect. He teaches of the predestination. He teaches of His calling. He teaches of His choosing. In fact, we can't come to Him, the Scripture says... Except the Spirit of God draws us to Him. We just can't. We can't, according to Scripture. All of those who are saved are the loving gift from the Father to the Son. Like the calling of a bride for the Son as the love gift from the Father. The Son sees every soul given by the Father. He sees every soul that's been given to Him as an expression of the Father's irresistible love. If you are a born-again believer tonight, I I hope you're grasping tonight that you didn't come on your own, on your own ability. Because the Bible tells us that your heart and my heart, the thoughts of our hearts are continuously wicked. We don't desire God if God doesn't draw us to Him. I can't fully explain it. But I know that I'm here tonight because of His grace and mercy. And so are you. Enjoy. Enjoy being called. Enjoy being the elect. Jesus described the one whom the Father gave to the Son as none other than the one who comes to me. They who come to me are those that the Father has given to me, he says. And our Lord completes this sentence with a very clear statement. He says, the one who comes to me, I love this, and you should too. 
I will certainly not cast out. So we don't have to argue about it. That clears it up. Whoever will come to Christ, he will certainly not cast out. You know why? Because the Father sent him. You get what I'm saying? Now, Jesus states the purpose of his earthly mission. Are you ready? Here it is. Now, get this. Don't let it slip by you. Jesus clearly states this one, his one purpose here is this in verse 38. He says, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. That is why Jesus came, was to do the will of the Father. Jesus Christ, our Lord, he left his place in glory. He left his place of splendor, and he came down from heaven to a sin-cursed world, and he put on the mortal flesh of man with the express intention of doing his Father's will. I hope you know the father's not a mean old father and the son is a really nice and lenient son. And because the son came, the father is just going to have a lot of compassion upon you. I hope you don't look at God in those terms. God is righteous, God is just, and God is love. I don't know what love is. You don't fully understand what love is, but God is love. And he loves you. He loves you enough that he called you out of darkness unto the light. But he came not to do his own will, but he perfectly submitted to the will of the Father who sent him. You and I are privileged tonight. And by perfectly obeying in complete submission to the will of the Father, the salvation of his elect and their eternal security is guaranteed. Had a little Cajun accent there. It's guaranteed. It's guaranteed. I'm glad that eternal security is guaranteed because I've been sealed to the day of redemption. And you have too if you're born again. Thank you, Jesus, for not only saving us, but for keeping us. We don't want to go out and sin. We don't want to live the old lifestyle. We don't want to go back. We don't want to turn back and become the pillar of salt. We want to trust Jesus Christ and keep looking forward, keep looking toward him. I want to be like him, don't you? John 3, uh, 6 and 39, and I'm trying to wind down. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he's given me, I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. That's good news. That's good news. The Father's will is more than that Jesus should make an offer for the lost sinners. God's not trying to strike a deal. He's not trying to to get us to do this or that. Boy, you hear that so much nowadays. God's trying to get you to do this so that he can do that. I know you all have heard it. You've heard preachers trying to preach God's limitation because of man. Well, God can't do this because you won't do that. Wow, we hear that all the time. You flip on the TV very long, you'll hear it. They, they, they'll say things like, if you want to receive what God is trying to give you, you must do this in order to unlock. You've heard it. I'm like, what Bible are you reading from? 
You're, re- you're talking about something. Listen, I studied the Bible every single day, and I have no idea what some of these people are talking about. Are they reading out of a Sears catalog? Because it's not in the Bible. I have no idea where they're coming up. And people are just sitting there soaking this stuff up, and you're like, what? Y'all need to read the Word of God. These people are lying to you. They're selling you a false bill of goods. You read your Bible, and I'll read my Bible, and we'll compare it, and you trust your Bible, and I'll trust my Bible. That's how we do it. Or they'll use terms like, oh, you're limiting God. You're limiting God. And much of this teaching is coming predominantly from the charismatic teachers. They're coming predominantly from the wealth and prosperity preachers of today. If you listen long enough, most most of the time, the key key to, to unlocking God's hands is found right there in your wallet. Hey, man. It's the truth. It's the truth. I hope you don't mind the truth. It's the truth. If you want to unleash this or that, reach in your wallet. And more specifically, it's from your wallet to their wallet. That's the way it flows. It's a Ponzi scheme. They're selling something that is false. And the true church has to beware. We have to beware. We have to beware of false teachers. Don't support these people. Don't send these people money to stand out there and preach lies and give people false security. Tell them everything's okay. Just sow a seed, plant a seed, and you're going to reap a harvest. And it's always money. It's always money. It's a better job. It's a better this or better that. I'm like, there are no disciples, there are no apostles that taught the very thing that these people are teaching. But apparently they're giving the world what they want. They're giving them what they want to hear. It doesn't require a changed lifestyle. They'll tell you that you have the power and that you have the authority to demand that God do this or that. That's blasphemy. It's nothing less than blasphemy. You know what blasphemy is? Blasphemy is the crime of of assuming to oneself the rights and qualities of God. That's what blasphemy is. When people make themselves out to be God. That's what Lucifer did. He challenged God's authority. He rebelled against God. That is the prescription of Lucifer himself. The truth is, we have absolutely no power over our Creator. The creation is not greater than the Creator. Never, never. God is not sitting on pins and needles tonight in hopes, in hopes that man will see in, in his good heart to come to him. If we have faith, if you have faith tonight, it is because God is the author and the finisher 
of your faith. It is God. His grace is why we're here assembled together tonight. If we come to Christ, it's the Holy Spirit of God that draws us to come to Him. Philippians 2.13, here it says, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Look at this. For it is God who is at work in you. You want to know what God's doing? He's working on you. He's making you a fit vessel for the kingdom of God. You're here tonight because you want to hear the word of God. You want to grow closer to God. You want to be more like your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If we believe, it's God who makes us to believe. It is God. God is sovereign. We do well to trust Him and rest in His sovereignty tonight. We need to trust Him with our lives. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about this happening or that potentially happening. God has it all worked out while the whole world is chaotic and it's in moral ruins. It's in more ruins, but God knows every intricate, filthy detail. Nothing is hidden. Nothing is overlooked. He sees it all, but God is still in charge. You know, God possesses all power. God possesses all authority. God doesn't have to answer to me or any other person. He answers to no one. We listen up, and he gives his commands and his instructions. That's what the Word of God is. We need to be listening, looking, and and searching the Scriptures. It gives me a holy anger when I hear people use terms like I just did. Demand this of God and tell God of this or that. What a shame. What a shame. It's blasphemy, pure and simple. We need to know tonight that God possesses all power, all authority, and His will is going to be done. Don't worry about that. He's going to do His will. He's going to have it His way. Frank Sinatra said, I did it my way. Let me tell you something. God's going to have the last say. He's, he is going to have it done His way. And he's not depending upon me or any other human being. And I'm glad. I'm glad that he has already got the plan laid out. The Father's will was accomplished in the earthly life of his Son, Jesus Christ. The Father's will is going to be accomplished also with his elect, whom he's chosen and whom he has given to his Son. I'm glad to be a gift to the Son tonight. I'm glad, church, that you are a gift to the Son of God tonight. You're special. He died for people like you and me. But we're a gift from the Father who chose us in eternity past. I know that's hard to fathom, but we are. It's certain that Jesus will at last raise up all that are given to him by the Father. And he will lose not one from that group. We're all going to be in heaven. 
All that come to him are going to be there. That's the best news I can give you tonight. I can't tell you tomorrow is going to be a great day for you. I can't tell you that you're not going to get some, some terrible news by phone. But I can tell you this. I can tell you this. That he's not going to lose one out of his elect. And, and, we're, and they're all going to heaven. Those that's been chosen and those that has been given to the Son by the Father. He says in his own word, I will not lose one. I'm so glad that not one is going to get lost in the shuffle there in heaven someday. He knows us by name. He knows every hair on your head. You serve a great and mighty, powerful God. Don't let the world tell you any different. Don't let the devil convince you any different. Don't let him stir and mix up your mind. Trust in Jesus Christ. Trust in the word and the promises that God has given you. It is God who graciously preserves true believers. It's him. It's all his work. Pastor Steve, is that the truth? Am I, am I speaking the truth? I hope, I hope you're in agreement. I believe the whole church is in agreement. We're speaking the truth tonight. God who graciously preserves true believers, he ensures their final salvation. And on the day that we die, that means everything, folks. On the day that we leave this world, there's nothing that comes close to the importance of being ready. I've preached at a, at a funeral or two where by all indications that individual wasn't ready. And that's a hard sermon to preach. And I've preached those that were absolutely ready, those that had dedicated their life to God years ago and through their life, they were committed to Him. Those are the easy ones to preach. Those are the easy ones to speak about. Philippians 1.6 says, For I am confident of this very thing. Look at this closely. That he, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Who's at work? God is. God is at work. You've heard the song, Jesus, Take the Wheel. Sometimes we just need to turn loose. Hey, God, I don't know what to do with this. I need some help in a mighty, mighty way. And God is always faithful. He's always been to me. And I believe he has for you too. Verse 40, and I'll be done. For this is the will of my Father, this is Jesus speaking, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life. A lot of wills in here. And I myself will raise Him up on the last day. God chose the elect in eternity past, as I've already stated. And He equips the saints to hear and to see. He gives us eyes to see. He gives us ears to hear. He opens our understanding up. He gives them ears to hear, and Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. He says, I know them, and they follow me. This is crystal clear to me. The blessing of eternal security is absolutely never apart from repentance. We must repent. We must come to faith in Christ. But when we do that, we must understand that it was the work of God. 
it wasn't in our own good self because the Bible truly teaches that there's none good, not one. Man really doesn't want God. Man wants to rebel. It was proven with Adam and Eve in the very beginning. We're all descendants of them. We're all descendants. He said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. See, the blessing of eternal security is never apart from repentance and faith. And our Lord affirms here in verse 40 that heaven belongs to everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him. These are those He will raise up on the last day to eternal life. Aren't you glad those graves aren't going to remain closed? But they're going to give way. The old body is going to come out of the ground and it's going to be transformed. It's going to be changed from mortal to immortal. From dead to alive forevermore. From shame to glory. That's what these old bodies that we have are going to be resurrected to one day. God is good. Let's don't be confused today. Jesus said, I came that you might have life. Listen, false teachers use this scripture so many times and they twist it. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly and automatically they go back to the wallet. They go back to planting a seed. They go back to, you put some in here and God's going to miraculously work out here and give you all the things that you want out of life. Going to give you that job, going to give you that promotion. Hogwash. Had a granddaddy that, that loved the Lord. He served the Lord all of his life. And there was probably, and he preached the gospel, and there was probably no man in this town any more poor than he was. But he was a man of God. That's why the, I saw how he lived. And I wanted, I wanted to be like, who wants to be like a poor Preacher man. He never gets a pat on the back. He never gets told how wonderful a job he does. Many, many exclude him from things. He gets, you know, nowadays you would get excluded from certain jobs. You get excluded from certain groups. If they know you're a Christian, you can absolutely guarantee that you're going to be persecuted to some degree. Here in America, we have it pretty easy in comparison to other places around the world. To be a Christian, you die in other places. But Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Eternal life comes by way of Jesus. For those of you that are watching tonight, if you're you're uncertain about that, read the Word of God. If you're uncertain about that, if if you're searching for the truth, go to the Holy Scriptures. Go to the Word of God that, that was written, not by man. It, it was inspired by God. It's God is the author of the whole Bible. I encourage you to go there. Jesus Christ is the bread of life. He is the, the sustainer of life. If you want eternal life, there is one way and one way only, and that's through Jesus Christ. We know that here tonight, don't we? Stand with me if you will. We know that Jesus satisfies those who hunger 
and those who thirst for righteousness. Don't we? We know that. Let's, uh, let's continue to pray um, for Sister Rhonda. This morning we came in and prayed with her uh, and her, her niece that's been in that terrible accident and uh, many other people. There's people that you know, people that I know that needs our prayers. There's, we need healings. We need, and I believe God is able to do all that. He can intervene at any time that He wishes. But whether He intervenes or not, we know God's good. Whatever the outcome, God is good. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for our church. Lord, we thank You, Lord, for the saints of God that are assembled here tonight. We pray, Lord, that this place will be filled with people who are hungry for the Word of God. Lord, how we long for the, for the waters of our baptistry to be stir, stirred. Lord, we pray for people to come to saving faith in Jesus Christ and that, we, and, that we're, and that we have to baptize many and many and many. Lord, may we continue to preach the truth out of this pulpit and wherever we may go. May the, 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 the church members and the, and the assembly here go about telling the world about Christ and the hope that they have. Lord, help us to be salt and light into a dark dark and sickened and dying world that so desperately needs peace that only you can give. Lord, we thank you for our church and for everyone that, uh, that attends here. God, we pray for them and their family. And Lord, we pray for the community. We pray, Lord, for our leaders, for our politicians, the governors and the presidents, senators, congressmen. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will just uh, enter into them, Lord, and, and Lord, give them a genuine love for you and your people. Lord, we pray that you'll calm the, 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 the fierce, vile uh, hatred that's going on in this country. And we know that it's all fueled by Satan himself. We know that Satan is the, is, is the one that's behind all of the confusion. So, Lord, we just pray that, uh, that, uh, that your church will rise up not rise up in riots, but the church will rise up and tell the truth in love and tell the truth with, with clarity and unapologetically telling the truth, whether, whether it's, it's liked or not, but always remain faithful to tell the truth. Oh, God, help us as we enter this next week. Watch over us, Lord. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that we can make a difference in our neighbors that, Lord, they can see you in us. Use us, Lord, in small ways and in great ways, any way that you see fit. You're the potter and we're the clay. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all have a great, great week. God bless you.